0: Unveiling the secrets A-list copywriters use to make themselves and their clients millions. This is the Copywriter's Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. All right, welcome back to the Copywriter's Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. David, how are you doing today, man?
1: Nathan, I am good. How are you?
0: I'm doing fantastic. For the listeners that don't know, we batch record these episodes, and sometimes the conversation we have in between the episodes completely re-energizes me for the next episode, and that happened in between this and the last episode. So I'm stoked. I'm ready to go.
1: Good. Well, I, I am too. Let me ask you a question. I could ask this to you and to every listener, especially listeners who are copywriters and marketers, entrepreneurs. Have you ever just given up on time management because every technique and system you've tried just doesn't work for you? Well, I'm here to tell you if that's so, it's not your fault. Time management systems don't work for creative people in most cases. We could go off on a long analysis as to why, but let's just say they don't. And this is our second old master's show with author Robert Updegraff And in this one, we're going to show you a time management approach that does work for copywriters. It's from a 1958 book called All the Time You Need. And again, by Robert Updegraff. It's out of print, but you might be able to find a copy on Amazon. There's a few around. Now, thanks to copywriters podcast guest expert, master copywriter David Deutsch. I know about this book. I never, would, I never heard about it before or since, but he told me about it many years ago. And what's great about this book is it shows you how to solve the biggest problems that rob you of time and, and rob your time of its potential to be productive for you. They're two different sides of the same coin, and we'll get to that in a minute. You know, people ask me, what's the secret to my productivity? And some of it's on the show, and some of it I simply keep to myself. But one of the most important things I can tell you is copy is powerful. You're responsible for how you use what you hear on this podcast. Most of the time, common sense is all you need. But if you make extreme claims, and if you're writing copy for offers in highly regulated industries, like health, finance, and business opportunity. You may want to get a legal review after you write and before you start using your copy. My larger clients do this all the time. Now, we're going to go over nine ideas, techniques here. Because it's sort of more of a right-brain system, it's not exactly organized in a step-by-step sequence. Um, it it integrates it's it's more like a holistic thing like a like a, a like i forget what you call those 3d puzzles that turn into a sphere but that that's that's what it's more like i i can tell you this you don't have to use all of them and i'm i picked the best 9 out of the book there's a lot more than 9 it would be impossible to use all of them and you'd spend more time Using these techniques to maximize your time than you would spend getting anything done. However, that doesn't matter. Even one or two of them can make a difference. And I can tell you this they work. And it's better to use one or a few than to try to use them all perfectly. You may end up at some point down the road where you do, but that shouldn't even be a goal. The goal should be to squeeze out more of your time and reduce the amount of pain along the way, make it more fun. So what's good about all these is they're biased toward practical creative people, including, of course, copywriters and entrepreneurs and marketers. So there are, well, two dimensions of time. This is like uh, sort of the premise you got to start with. Most people think of time as, you know, try and do this for the camera. It goes around like this, right? Clock or maybe it's a digital thing where the numbers are, um, that's one half of it, says up to graph. Remember this, productivity is not how many hours you put in working. It's about how much you can produce productivity, produce, produce, productivity in any given amount of time. So in one hour, if you are sleepy, distracted, pissed off, and maybe you'd rather be doing something or anything but what you're doing, You probably won't be that productive. Okay, reset. If you are focused and excited, even if you're on fire about something you're doing, during that same period of 60 minutes, you can get a lot more done and a lot better stuff, maybe even more than most people do in a full day. I mean, Nathan, have you ever had an hour like that where you were so on fire and focused and everything was in sync and you were in flow that you got more done in an hour than even you get done in a day?
0: Mm-hmm. I constantly fluctuate between the extremes. Sometimes I have hours where I get tons of stuff done, and sometimes I have hours like the ones you were just talking about right before that. I,
1: I think that's true for a lot of creative people, and so this may help explain a little bit. There, there are two dimensions of time. One is the clock, calendar, you know, the numerical part of time, and the other part is energy, your own personal energy. And the idea here is to let your energy be high during the time you're working so that you can be in flow and be uninterrupted and let one idea build upon another. See, the, I, I do want to say this about traditional time management systems, is they seem to be more based on accomplishing tasks that someone else has come up with for you, right? And you know, creative people are often fiercely or even antagonist with gnarly independent people. So maybe, you know, mass captains of our own fate, masters of our un- own universes. All right. Four enemies of clock time. One is procrastination. Everybody knows what procrastination is. Now, this one doesn't always work, and, and it seems kind of nuts, but this is actually very cool. Here's a method for overcoming procrastination. If you're stalling on something, after you finish beating yourself up, this you're probably going to beat yourself up, step back. And just step back for a minute, not to go into non-judgment, just step back to take a look. What is it that you're trying to do? Like, What, what are the steps? What's the process? What's the outcome? Just step back. And then think about it. You can choose two things. If you're not going to do it now, you can decide to do it later or never to do it. If you decide to do it later, set a time, put it on your calendar, make it sacrosanct, sacred. You got to do it. It's like important. It's like a date in court, or it's like a, you know, dentist appointment. <laughs> if you don't like it, or doctor's appointment, or maybe it's you know, some you know, a meal with a friend you're really looking forward to. But it's it's got to be. You can't flake out on yourself. And when you get to that point, if, you're not gonna, if you don't do it then, go through the same process. Here's, here's the thing. It's about decision. It's indecisiveness that really screws you up because indecisiveness is not really what you think it is. not being in the middle. It's, it's like being in a windshield wiper, going back and forth and back and forth. Just decide and then stick with your decision. Um, so that's one enemy of clock time. Uh, jump in at any time. Um, uh, the second enemy of um, clock time is what he calls "sometimeitis." Um, saying you'll do something sometime is no better than procrastination. Yeah, if you if you really want to get stuff done, you know, do it. D- don't don't say sometime. That's not gonna that it's it's just gonna keep gnawing at you. Like, when am I going to do this, or am I going to do this? A third problem, we'll get to the fun stuff soon, this isn't all that much fun, this part, condoning inaction, condoning your own inaction. This means being vague about when you're going to do something, you need to get done. And then coming up with all kinds of excuses why you're not doing it or you can't do it. The up all about action. And, I mean, his point is it's, it's not like he's this type A personality you know, constantly working 16 hours a day. It's like, take action when you need to take action and then enjoy yourself. When you're not taking action doing work, do something else. Um, up to graph says some people will spend more time coming up with excuses why they didn't do something than in they spend more time doing that than the time it would have taken to do the thing they're making excuses about. Now, the fourth one, yeah.
0: So I'm just going to jump in real quick on these three things um, procrastination sometimes idis and condoning in action I think for myself and this is something that I had to finally admit to myself a lot of times when I procrastinate or I say oh I'll do I'll do it sometime or maybe in the future I'll do this I know it needs to get done but I just I'm not going to do it right now a lot of time it's Actually, most of the time, it's because I don't have a clear understanding of what the steps need to be. I don't know. I don't know what paperwork I need to have in order before I hit this meeting, so I just never schedule the meeting. Or I don't know uh, what steps I should hit in the sales letter. I don't know how it should flow, so I just don't start on the sales letter until the last moment, and a lot of times just sitting down and saying, okay, what's the first step? What's the second step? What's the third step? And getting a clear outline, then all of a sudden, all of that mental barrier that was causing the procrastination, that was causing the sometimes-itis, all of that just goes away as soon as I have a clear plan. So I think that if someone's dealing with it, just sitting down and saying, okay, what are the steps? What's the first step? What's the next step? Uh, Maybe I have to reverse engineer it. What's the last step? And what's the step right before that? But getting clear on how a, a path of action is usually what helps me overcome those things.
1: Yeah, that's really good. And you sort of anticipated something we're going to talk about um, when we get to the second type of uh, time. But yeah, I, I think maybe one reason for this sometime-itis is the fear of the unknown. Literally, the fear of the unknown. It's It's not exciting. It's not an adventure that you don't know what steps you have to take. It's scary. And there could also be the fear that if, if I write these steps down, then I'm going to have to do it now. No, you don't. No, you can just writing the steps down and going out, taking a walk, or doing something else. That can be good in and of itself, but people aren't used to operating that way. So you need to have permission to try some different things. Let's go to the number four enemy of clock time, and that's regretting. Spending time dwelling on what might have been or what you should have done differently can really eat into your work productivity and your peace of mind if you spend too much time on it. Optograph says, the person of mature mind knows every day spent in regretting is a day wasted. When an experience is past, it is beyond recall. And it doesn't mean, when he says beyond recall, he doesn't mean that you can't remember it. He means You can't call it back. It's done. It's over. Finished. Finito. He says, we can learn from it, but we cannot correct it. Now, there are exceptions to these four assertions, um, meaning sometimes you won't be able to make them work the way you'd like, but even bringing them into your work process at all will help make you a lot more productive when you're writing or coming up with new ideas.
0: The other one point that I wanted to make before we jump on is... When you're dealing with these enemies of clock time, uh, procrastination, regretting, uh, sometimes itis, and condoning inaction, these are things that are causing open loops in the back of your mind. So when it comes time to focus on something that you need to get done right away, you don't have that mental energy that you need to dedicate to it because in the back of your mind, you're thinking, oh, I've, I've got to do this still, and I've got to do this still, and oh, no, this is... I've got all these bridges on fire and I'm trying to focus on the one thing right here. And because I've procrastinated on all these other things, I can't even give my attention to the immediate thing right now. So just another, I guess, another point to make that these allowing yourself to fall victim to these things makes it more difficult to to deal with the immediate things that you're trying to deal with as well.
1: Yeah, that's a really good point about the open loops. And I agree with you that they, they, they take up or they prevent a lot of energy that you could use for what you're actually trying to do. Do you have a problem with Kindle books? I do. Sometimes I really just want to hold a book in my hand so I can turn the pages and highlight stuff and make notes. That's one reason I recently released the print version of my book, Breakthrough Copywriting. And listen to this. On Facebook, I've gotten pictures posted from around the world. Pictures of people holding their printed copy of Breakthrough Copywriting in their hands including one from an A-list screenwriter and marketer in L.A.'s famous Topanga Canyon. He was reading the book in his hot tub. Breakthrough Copywriting is a great book for you, whether you are a beginner or an A-lister yourself or anywhere in between. It costs a tiny, tiny fraction of my $5,000 a head seminar that the book is based on. So check out Breakthrough Copywriting on Amazon.com. Now, back to the show. So let's let's talk about energy. It's the second dimension of time, particularly when it comes to productivity. The way UpToGraph looks at things, and I look at them the same way. Scott Adams also talks about this in a different way about ener- how energy is like a factor in productivity, personal energy, um, in one of his books. Not sure which one. Here are the four enemies of energy that UpToGraph identifies. The first one is frustration. He says our frustrations burn our energy three to four times faster than our energy is consumed by our work. Now, important point. He doesn't say never get frustrated. He says expect you'll get frustrated. It happens. Just don't overreact. Don't take it personally. Don't wallow in it. Don't collapse into helplessness. Uh, Sometimes when the frustration builds up i mean the the ideal thing is to just take the frustration and go okay so that's not working i wonder what another way to be would be to do it or hmm, maybe i'm not doing it right i should try and do it the same way again but try and pay more attention but sometimes you want to just walk away do something else start go back to another project take a walk watch tv listen to some music ride on your bike something um and then come back to it later um and here's why um there may be a problem that you're aware of or not aware of in your unconscious mind has a chance to solve it while you're doing something else so um the second enemy of energy is irritation a brief flash of impatience exasperation or even anger is sometimes highly beneficial in that it stirs us to decision or action that's what up to grass says now think about that you can spend all your time being pissed off or you can make a decision and you can move forward and take action but wallowing in irritation really does nobody any good and it hijacks your attention and your energy from creative productivity Doesn't mean you have to go through the world totally unaffected by anything, totally unemotional, totally letting everything slide off your back. It means if you, when you're working, you need to block that stuff out. Come back to it later if you need to, if you want to be creative and you want to have that energy flow. Third thing is, and these are all related, but the third thing is impatience. This is really interesting because what most people think of impatience is. This isn't happening fast enough, but Optograph looks at it differently. He sees impatience as being stalled, stuck into the wall, and maybe slowly seething, seething anger that something is not ready yet or not getting done fast enough. And what he says is keeping busy at something, almost anything, is an antidote for impatience. Okay. Number four is worry. Um, Now, my point of view is that some worry is good. Like, let's say you're doing a launch. You want to think of everything that could reasonably go wrong. I mean, you don't want to think about how to protect yourself against a meteor striking the earth that's, like, beyond your control anyway, and probably not going to happen. But you want to think of everything that reasonably could go wrong and take steps to prevent those things from happening, and then be done with it, so not spending a lot of time on it. Um, the but the kind of worry that Uptograph sees as an energy drain is obsessive worry. If you do that and you can if you do that now and you can find a way of stopping doing that, you'll probably see a dramatic increase in your creative productivity. He says worry saps the spirit and drains the nervous system at an appalling rate. Okay? Uh, any comments before we move on to the next
0: part? I will just say personally, I went through, right after 9-11 happened, I went through a deep dive into cons- into some conspiracy theory realms and was totally obsessed with all the horrible totalitarian things that might be coming down the pipeline <laughs> from reading all these different books from all these different people and listening to crazy a- or shortwave radio sh- shows. And I have always been a very energetic driven person, but for about 10 years of my life, worrying constantly about things I couldn't control or possibly weren't even actually happening, uh, completely zapped all of my motivation to build and so uh, I, and now that I'm not in that mindset anymore, I, I look around and I see some of my friends that still are or maybe have shifted into a similar mindset about different issues but just constantly worrying about things man it it sucks your energy it sucks your motivation it sucks your will to live and sucks your will to to succeed and uh not saying that you shouldn't be concerned about things but definitely give things the proper amount of energy
1: yeah i would i would agree with that about a thousand percent.
0: End of America is what did it to me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. Um, so um, let's talk about another thing. How to use your unconscious mind. I've, I've seen this a lot of places. I've, I've found it to be true. The unconscious mind is very powerful, but it, it, it does not want to be in charge. It wants your conscious mind to tell it what to do, preferably with a little bit of care and. Uh, gentleness, but it, it's basically there in a support role. And I've used the, the method I'm going to talk about a lot, and it always works as long as you don't rush it too much. And I have even made it work when I rushed it, but there was hell to pay emotionally afterwards, but it'll, it'll work. Up to Graph suggests you can use your unconscious mind for solving problems, developing ideas, and formulating a plan. And this, this kind of gets back to something you were talking about earlier, Nathan, um, with the sometime-itis, but this is a more proactive thing as opposed to uh, solving a problem. Write down, actually, figure out, need to take index cards or a cork board, with post-it notes or whatever. Write down the problem you want to solve or the kind of idea you want to develop. You don't have to solve it. You don't have to fix it. You just sort of want to outline what you're getting into. And this is one way to do it. Or, or if, if you would rather just silently or out loud ask your unconscious mind, I want a plan to do this or sell this. You don't. You can go in as much or little detail as you want with this. Ask your unconscious mind for a solution. Give it a deadline. Give it a, don't expect to do it instantly. Give it at least a few hours. I find overnight works really well, and often the idea will pop up in the morning. That was the idea that will pop up in the morning, you heard me say, right? The idea. Um, (laughs) Thank you. And then um, after you do this, forget about it for a while. Do something else. Don't consciously think about the assignment you've given your unconscious mind. Let your unconscious mind do its magic without any conscious input. And the idea will come to you maybe not exactly when you expect it, possibly when you least expect it. So do the best you can to always have some way to record it, whether with audio or paper and pen, have that way to record it nearby as much as possible. And you get better at this the more you do it. Have you ever used this, Nathan?
0: Oh, man, I use this all the time. I The whole method of... Training my mind what to subconsciously be doing in the background and having, thanks to you, I went out and bought a Remarkable and I just carry the Remarkable with me everywhere. So I just have tons and tons of pages in the Remarkable of uh, of this exact method.
1: Yeah, the Remarkable, people don't remember, it's a, it's a tablet that allows you to take notes. It'll even... If you have good handwriting, i will translate the notes into text, type text, text, but it, it's a way to get a lot of ideas down without having paper and post notes all over the place. It organizes it for you and so forth. Mm-hmm. Cool. All right. So we, we've we covered a, a ton of stuff. Let's just summarize it, and, and I guess we're out of here. Um, there are two dimensions of time, clock calendar time and energy. There are four enemies of clock time. Procrastination, sometimes, condoning inaction, and regretting. Four enemies of energy are frustration, irritation, impatience, and worry. And you can enlist your unconscious mind to help you with creative jobs. So the book is All the Time You Need by Robert grab. And we're gonna put a link for used copies on Amazon in the show notes.
0: All right. This one, I think some people might say, well, this didn't have very much to do with copy. But I think that if you go back and re-listen to the episode and actually consciously think about how does this apply to my copy, there was a lot of times that you were saying stuff and I was like, oh, this perfectly applies to writing a sales letter. One particular instance is uh, where you talked about just writing it down. What's, what's the problem? Write it down. And then what's the way to get to the solution? Joe Schriefer over at Agora Financial, that's very similar to the way that he does his copyboarding method. He says, "Well, what's the problem and how do we get to that solution? and what are the objections that people have? And he just starts by writing it down, What's the problem we're trying to solve for people, and how do we get them to that solution? And uh, a lot of this stuff works on a time management level, but I think a lot of it also works when it comes to figuring out how to write copy and stop procrastinating. <laughs> I think that I'm not the only copywriter that waits until the day before a piece is done to do my final edit.
1: Yeah. And you know, um, a, a couple of things, let me address what you just said first. A lot of people wait to the last minute because that's the only way they know to enlist their unconscious mind. There are other ways. And, and these are some of them and they don't always need to be painful. Um, and I'm not perfect. I, I was, putting these notes together at the last minute too so you know I'm not not saying um the the other thing is yeah this is um a couple levels removed from headlines and bullets and big ideas and transitions it's really about behavior and mood self-management managing your behavior and managing your mood so that you can write copy Closer to when you want to do it, rather than when it becomes, you know, a fear-soaked, semi or totally terrifying experience. And um, also, how how to write better stuff. But yeah, it 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 may not be quite as obvious to some people. I'll tell you what: once you've been under pressure, once you've blown deadline, and and dealt with the wrath of a client this stuff will be very applicable in copywriting.
0: Absolutely. All right, David, thank you for another fantastic episode. And listeners out there, if you want to check out more, head on over to copywriterspodcast.com, get your copywriting podcast fix. And until next time, we will catch you later.
1: See you later. Bye. Before we go, a quick question. Would you like to have me as a guest on your podcast? Let me give you an easy way to contact me about that. We've put up a form on GarfinkelMedia.com, and it won't take much more than a minute to fill it out. So if you'd like to have me on your show, just go to GarfinkelMedia.com and fill out the form. That's GarfinkelMedia.com. Thanks, and see you next time on the Copywriter's Podcast. This is the Copy and Funnels Podcast Network.